Right, let's head to Latin America, shall we? John Bonfiglio is our man in that part of the world. Love catching up with John to see what's going on um, in across the pond, across several ponds. John, hi, mate. Hey, Daryl, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm really, really good. Uh, we've got lots to get into. Um, just as a heads up, I want to pick your brain on the, the parade of myths and legends that's happened in Colombia since we last spoke um, a, a little while ago. First, can we start in Argentina? I think it's um, I think it's right that we do a story that connects our two parts of the world, John. Uh, a British man killed and his steps unwounded after being shot during what is suspected to be a robbery outside a, a five-star hotel in Buenos Aires. Yeah, a story which connects uh, both countries, which isn't the Falklands, would you believe? Yeah. Um, yeah, so on Saturday, um, uh, a 50-year-old who just arrived in Buenos Aires, Matthew Gibbard, and uh, was there with his with his family just arriving at a... Um, at an upmarket hotel in the Puerto Madero area of, of Buenos Aires. It's right on the on the seafront, a fairly well-to-do area, and they were essentially accosted by uh, what initially seemed to be some motorcycle um, uh, some motorcycle thieves, I guess, robbers, but then it turns out there was a car involved as well. Essentially, at, at some point from the airport down to the hotel, they'd been they'd been observed, followed, and picked up as a possible. Uh, as a possible theft, um, and then uh, Matthew Gibbard fought back, um, and then shots were fired. He was taken to hospital, and then died a few hours later. And Stefan Zone is still uh, in a critical condition with a shot in his leg. Um, three other family members are are unhurt. Um, so obviously, yeah, that made the news. Not obviously not just in the UK, but actually in 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 Argentina too. Alberto Fernandez has just come into to the presidency as of a couple of weeks ago. So he made some very loud noises about the fact that this kind of thing had to be stamped out and actually use what ordinarily would be more um, right of centre terminology in terms of clamping down on crime rather than his you know, political position, I guess. So also a test for him in terms of the first international incident that he's had to had to deal with and he chose very specific language around about it. In terms of what actually took place contextually, it's not a surprise in, in Buenos Aires actually motorbike um, thieves uh, are fairly well known in the area and um, uh, in the city um, and people are very aware of uh, the, the possibilities of speeding um, individuals going by and ripping handbags off or, or assaulting people etc. So uh, and the, the advice tends to be, obviously, you know, given whatever it is that, that you've got and, and don't fight, fight back. Matthew Gibbard did, um, which obviously, is, from a certain perspective, is great in terms of, you know, taking um, robbers to task on things. But obviously, tragically, mm. he was he was shot for his pains. Yeah. But this will also be um, a, an alarming wake-up call, I, I suppose, or at least pose questions for people doing business between the two countries, right? And, and between any other country, I suppose, and, and Argentina, um, asking the question, are they safe there? Yeah, but I think you can ask that in a, in a UK context. I think anybody, you know, um, really travelling anywhere internationally or just moving between A, A and B, um, and I don't think there's a new situation either, for sure needs to be aware of the, the kind of the situation and the context they're in. And Buenos Aires isn't any more dangerous than uh, than a London or a Birmingham or a or a Paris, um, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. For sure, I think anybody who who uh, is travelling anywhere, maybe where they they're not au fait with uh, with the dangers in, in different places, um, should you know just try and read up on those and be aware of the cultural differences in terms of um, maybe crime that's that's taking place in those in those areas. But really important to say that this is in a um, an isolated incident in a in a UK 
tourism business context it's definitely not something which you know it's not the tenth example we've heard of this year mm. it's very much the um, the first and obviously with a with a tragic end we also don't hear about most of these taking place because most of these involve a wallet being stolen or a, or some bags being stolen obviously we've heard about this one because it reached you know the worst possible conclusion yeah um, another story of crime and violence that we have to talk about john unfortunately um it, from mexico 12 police officers uh killed in in mexico um it was this in one in, in one incident or several it was over the course of a week right. um in in the Guanajuato area, including one of um, um, an uncorruptible female police officer as well, who who disappeared and then was found the next day. This is one of those stories, and I'm, I'm not um, belittling the story in any way, shame, shape, or form. But this is one of those stories that we could have heard last week, or a month ago, or two months ago, or three months ago. Sadly, this kind of stuff happens fairly regularly um, in Mexico, and is you know just demonstrates the power of the of the cartels in a in a national context um, and really you know there's a lot of chat here about how corrupt the police and the military are but it seems to me that really if you are you know if you want to join the forces uh, of, of any kind you've really got two choices you you're either going to you know go with the go with the flow because that's the way that um the torrent of water is is going or you stand up against it and then these kinds of things happen to you i don't see that that really um, other than in some very few exceptional areas around Mexico where maybe the cartels don't have such power and control, that really you have you have much choice. And for sure, you know, these individuals got in the way of the cartels and, and again, the worst possible end um, took place. Mm. So it feels like this is, this is a story that we're not going to stop talking about anytime soon either, John. It really isn't, no. And, and actually, I know we're going to come on to... Uh, the Mexican and Brazilian president, uh, Mexican president, who's been in in power for for a year now, and part of his mandate was was fighting crime and in particular organised crime and and the cartels. Maybe not fighting them, but maybe bringing a new strategy to the table. And he's very well versed in in saying, well, over the course of the last 15 years since the war on drugs was was established and implemented under Felipe Calderón that actually it's just led to widespread deaths, 30, 40, 50 people a day being killed 10, 15 years ago in that context. But actually his his new softer policies have actually only served to escalate that. So now we're looking at 100 a day in Mexico uh, in terms of individuals being killed with uh, with cartel violence. His supporters would say that kind of policy needs time to be enacted, that a year isn't long enough. We need to give him time and space for that to take place and for it to be pushed through. And for sure, his detractors are saying, hold on a minute, um, the, the murder rate, which was already terrible, has doubled in no time at all, and something needs to be done. Mm, quite. Can we talk about Chile as well, um, John? Um, protests there over the last couple of days that we need to talk about. We, barely a, um, a day goes by where we, we don't talk about protests, John, but uh, the UN getting involved now and accusing the Chilean police and the armed forces of committing serious human rights violations in the way that they've responded to those mass demonstrations, right? Yeah, and this is fascinating because nobody is saying that this didn't happen. So even the president, the security minister, like nobody even, um, the, the police chief as well, who's the head of the forces that were responsible for, you know, that have been accused of these violations, even he came out and said that there were serious violations that took place even before the investigation, um, you know, reached, reached its nadir, no reached its its end. And, and I think it says more about the really weak position that um, that the powers that be in Chile 
uh, field that they're currently in that they have to give so much away because ordinarily absolutely nobody would say you know oh yeah we committed these uh, this was systematic violence um, and repression that took place from our from our armed forces just to, to go back a step as you say the the, uh, the office of the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights um, a couple of days ago just uh, highlighted that there were in terms of their investigations that there were 130 incidents of torture 24 of sexual violence and most uh, perhaps strange of all, that there were 400 eye wounds from rubber bullets, which suggests, I mean, doesn't even suggest, it basically states that um, the, the military and the police were deliberately targeting protesters' eyes with the rubber bullets, which, as far as I'm aware, is a completely new modus operandi in, in this context, in terms of not just pushing uh, people back from the barricades, but deliberately damaging them so they didn't come back and so that they would know not to come back um, in the future. But as I say, no, there is nobody, it's not just as though this is an accusation from, from the UN, there is nobody anywhere that's saying that this is anything other than, than what's actually taken place. So right. uh, people clinging onto power in Chile by their fingertips, hoping that this doesn't spiral out of control and reaches a very top level. What, what are the repercussions likely to be, if there are any, from, from the UN or beyond? Uh, from the, the, the UN uh, doesn't have anything that it can really do in this context. It just kind of issues recommendations and, and stipulates stuff, but there's nothing, you know, it's not going to bring in sanctions or, or anything um, like that. Um, the, the demonstrations continue round, uh, right across um, Chile, north to south, and there are really two big demands from the protesters. The first one that Sebastián Piñera, who, um, who actually went under impeachment this week, he, was, he, he wasn't he was acquitted, but, um, the, but the process began uh, on that this week, that he resigned, that he leave office, and secondly, that the Constitution be rewritten and re replaced, which may seem strange, but that's because the Constitution, as currently is, was drafted during the Pinochet regime. So it's also important to draw a line between what, what's taken place on the streets of Santiago and right across Chile over the course of the last two months now and the fact that protesters uh, and civil society mm. draw a line right back to the Pinochet regime and they say that these abuses mean that that regime never quite left Chile, that there was a, a semblance of, you know, a modern uh, mature democracy but actually the underscoring society was always this, you know, the nightmare years of the military and the police and torture and abuses, which at the first possible opportunity, I mean, again, during these demonstrations, it was the first time since the Pinochet regime that the military were back on the street. So, you know, for us reporting on it from, from a distance, you can say, oh, the, you know, there's the army on the street. But for people there who remember what took place, it absolutely harks back to the terrible days of, of military repression under Pinochet in, uh, in Chile. Right. Speaking of Chile, while we're there, uh, John, in that part of the world, a story that's um, that's developed since we last spoke. Um, rescuers working to find uh, the remains of or remnants of an Air Force plane, 38 people on board that went missing uh, last Monday, a week Monday. Uh, they found human remains. Is that right, John? It is. They have found uh, parts of the uh, the airplane and parts of and, and human body parts as well. Um, this is one of those stories that actually we could do a whole show on because how um, 
how countries behave in Antarctica is really something which nobody really sheds light on. Um, and obviously a terrible tragedy in a in the Chilean context, but also important to say that it was the Chilean military that were flying across Antarctica. And hypothetically, according to the Antarctic Treaty, um, Antarctica should be a de demilitarized zone. But all countries that are down there have mass amounts of military and military uh, military bases down there and the Chileans I mean it's you know right next door to them they regard it as part of their uh, you know their backyard if you like when you see that the uh, television news in Chile and they do their bit of weather you know how in the UK we don't get Ireland we get Northern Ireland well they tell that they tell the weather for their slice of Antarctica whilst, whilst it's there. So it just feels like like a little hop across for them rather than somewhere way across you know on the other side of the world or, or anything like that um, unusual for for something like this to happen again uh, as well you know conditions were relatively good on the flight it disappeared off the off the face of the earth and, and then obviously you know um, plane uh, parts and wings and wheels and, and and the like were found so nobody's any the, any the clearer as to what took place but it seems to have been a very sudden incident because there were no mayday calls or anything uh, or anything like that that were that were issued to the extent that nobody really knew what had happened uh, people thought that the the authorities in Chile thought that there would have been that there'd been some kind of crash landing in Antarctica initially, and that they were going to find uh, people. I mean, maybe not alive and well, but that they, but it definitely wasn't the kind of equivalent of a plane just falling out of the sky. Right. And so, therefore, it's probably. I mean, it was just a freak accident, I, I guess, or, or or is there some question marks over foul play? Um, it would be very surprising if there was any kind of foul play in that context. Um, I think it's got to be some kind of sudden mechanical um, situation. But ordinarily with these things, I mean, um, except for like with the Boeing Maxes recent, recently where, you know, there's, a, there's a, a terrible traumatic event which happens to the plane and it just suddenly goes up the sky. Normally there is there is time for messages to be to be brought back or reroutings for, you know, so people who are tracking the the plane to be able to see that something is taking place. So whatever it was, was a very sudden, uh, unexpected incident. Yeah, clearly. I think we'll talk about that story again, John, I, I imagine. Um, another story that's caught my eye before I let you go, uh, if you don't mind, is um, a an event that took place about a week or so ago now, but, but since we last spoke at least. Um, the Colombian city of Medellin on Sunday, yeah. last, a, week, a, week, a week last Sunday, I think it was, the annual parade of myths and legends, one of those incredible moments of um, colour and festivity and great costumes as well and, and brilliant stories attached that we have come to expect and love from your part of the world. Yeah, absolutely. There is a hyper-real context to, uh, to many celebrations across Latin America and and at source, people and society are, you know, despite many daily ongoing hardships, really a focus on uh, on happiness and have a have a joie de vivre that they take through lives, and also like an incredible sense of humour. And this sort of celebration of myths and legends, I think, also it's not just the you know the component of this celebration which is um, taking place and is doing really very well in Medellin, but it's also Medellin repositioning itself uh, as a as a world city. Uh, in an international context, about four or five years ago, it was um, it was voted the most progressive city in the world in terms of technological innovation, oh. but not just in Latin America, but internationally, full stop. Uh, and it's got a very progressive agenda in terms of repositioning itself, uh, you know, I guess kind of pushing the envelope um, in terms of rethinking things that a city could be and do, uh, and then puts them right out onto the street and then says, this is who we, we want to be, no holds barred, let's get out there and let's do it. 
Great, fantastic. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, John, but um, off the top of your head, any of the myths and legends that are depicted, do they do they jump out at you? Can you are you are you aware of any of them? Oh, uh, there's, there's all of the you know sort of standard um, international ones, which I guess in a in a in a almost filmic context we'd uh, or a law comic context we'd know. So you know, your Captain Americas and your Thors and and those kinds of figures. But then there's, there's also much more local context. So there's also people uh, who feature in that parade that maybe only local Colombian society would know, or maybe Latin society. So maybe some Mexican wrestlers would would feature in there. It's a really very ranging celebration which goes right across the the scene from the most local of local to the most international of of international and it's, and it's a fun pastime obviously as you can imagine for, for for local families to stand alongside the um alongside the procession and try and identify uh who it is that's going by yeah um, on a case-by-case basis yeah uh the weeping woman uh apparently uh is one of them uh is it uh, la llorona la llorona yeah uh, she's one of the most famous legends apparently um something about about being unloved by her husband and a uh uh and her husband loved the two boys instead of her is that right <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah. no 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 yeah one of those you know tragic mythical um stories but yeah it, it's there was in fact a horror movie which had nothing to do with the myth and the legend which came out recently yeah. but of, the, of the weeping woman and a very famous figure uh in mexico as you say who, who lost uh lost her children and is um terrifying and and mawkish in um, in, in equal measure, but actually, this figure of the weeping woman doesn't isn't just a Latin American thing. I mean, there were there were what were called keeners in 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 Ireland way back in the day. You know, would go professional weepers at funerals. Um, so it's a tradition actually that that moves way across um, other cultures and not just Latin America as well. Right. Wow. Of course. Of course. Um, very interesting. Uh, listen, John, we've run out of time, but it's always good to catch up, my friend, and we'll uh, we'll do it again soon. I don't know whether, whether we'll speak before Christmas uh, now. Do you? What's what's the what's the sort of planned celebration from your point of view? Very chilled out here. We close the doors. Just family stuff. Um, I, I often joke and say that um, I had to move across the other side of the, uh, the, uh, the other side of the world to avoid all of these social um, situations, which Christmas plagues us with. A proper Scrooge. Good for you. No, don't worry about it. I'm, uh, I'm, I think I'm with you on that one, to be honest. Secretly, uh, lovely to chat to you as ever, John. We'll catch up soon. Thank you, mate. Take care, down. You too, buddy. Uh, John Bonfiglio in Latin America for us this morning on Talk Radio. Right next. Alongside Latin America correspondent, if you want to follow the US election cycle or any other international election cycle, which may be of interest, we also take requests on Spotify. We're also on... I've forgotten it. What is it? Uh, Dropbox. No, not Dropbox. On Spotify. On Spotify. Oh, are we on Dropbox as well? Are we? Or is it SoundCloud? Wait, no, Spotify. Look, just forget all that stuff. Just Spotify. Follow Speakeasy Politics on Spotify. Say the name again. How hard can it be? Say the name again. Bye.